This is Jane Smith reporting for WASP News. We report so you don't have to decide. Now, we're live outside of Sovereign Studios, where a protest has been taking place. Uh, sir, sir, what is going on here? We're going to put an end to his godless hedonism. He's corrupting the entire planet. Uh, you must be talking about the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. That's right. That sex fiend of an anarchist has crossed the line. We're going to rip his triple black clothing and then him to shreds. But Brian Sovereign believes in nonviolence. We don't care. He wants to end government and wants to pervert science and technology to do it. Brian Sovereign has to be stopped. This just in. Brian Sovereign is coming out of the studio. The Golden Stallion, the Man of Tomorrow, Dr. Brian Sovereign here for you, the Libertine in Chief. Could I go down all the other names that I have? Woo! Why, why bother? Let's just get right into it. Man, we've got a lot to cover this week. In fact, a lot of, uh, a lot of things, a lot of predictions, or at least one big one, very much came true this week. And we will get into that for our main story. I can't wait to tear into this one. But... Let's do a little housekeeping, as they call it, before we get into the random access, and then we'll get into our main story. But just today, just minutes before I'm recording this, I did my very first Periscope. Now, for those that don't know, Periscope is a live streaming service owned and operated by Twitter. And so if you have a Twitter account, you can easily get a Periscope account. I don't think you need to. That doesn't have to go both ways. um, But you can do it, and actually, you don't even need a Periscope account to view it later. Uh, there are links on Twitter or, uh, you know, whatever, wherever I happen to share it uh, where you can follow it. Uh, you know, you can just go to, like, Periscope.tv, and you can find, uh, you know, Dr. Brian Sovereign, and you can check it out. But I think what I'm going to do, and keep an eye on the Zog blog, that's Zog.ninja, I think I'm going to do a live Q&A show, just do the whole show Q&A, recorded via Periscope, because Periscope, I'm impressed, it actually saves the video file locally. And it's pretty unlimited in what it can do. And I did a test run, and I had some great uh, Sovereign Tech listeners. They they told me that, you know, everything looked good. The, the video and audio wasn't out of sync or anything. 
Um, so I can do it all from my phone. I might put on a little bit of a better headset when I, when I actually do the show, but I'm going to do a live Q and a sovereign tech. I don't know if I'm going to do it for the main show or if I will do it, uh, you know, just as a special at some point and I'll just let everybody know when it's going to be done. Uh, but you want to keep an eye on the Zog blog there, you know, to, to look for that. And of course I do daily releases, or of course you can follow me on various social media and I will mention it there as well. Um, but I want to do this. And so bring your best questions. You can actually, you can ask questions right within Periscope. You can make comments, you can, you know, favorite it, heart it and all this stuff. And, uh, it's really cool. And so then I can just, you know, since it saves a local copy of the video, I can just rip the audio from it and release it as a sovereign tech special or as a full on episode. I am totally okay with doing a full two hour episode of sovereign tech. That is all your questions and answers and in recording it. And maybe I'll mess with, you know, I, like I said, I don't know. I've said this before because people have asked me, would you do Meerkat or Periscope or something like that? Um, yeah, I don't know why people would want me to, you know, want to watch me, like I said, just kind of flail my arms around and get all, you know, crazy about whatever I happen to be talking about during Sovereign Tech. But if it was for the purposes of doing a live Q&A, yeah, oh, then I think it makes sense. Like that, then it's interesting. I don't think Meerkat could necessarily do that, but Periscope can. And I did a test and I liked what I saw. So that's something that's going to be coming. Keep an eye at the Zog blog for that. Uh, or of course, you know, via, via Twitter and whatever other social media I happen to be on. Something else I want to let you know about, and there's a link in the bottom of the appendix of the show notes for this episode. Uh, Ryan Taylor, who has been a guest on this show, of course, he's with the Block Tech Group. And now this guy is really making his rounds around the world, as I understand. Uh, just a great guy. I love him. He, uh, rec uh, he actually recorded uh, the Dark Android talk that I gave at Porkfest 2015. And you can go to his YouTube channel and you can watch it. That's right. You get to see the Golden Stallion live and in color, baby. And you don't have to wait for me to do a Periscope episode for that. Uh, so that link to that video is available. Uh, I will also, you know, do the kind of rip the audio from it and release it as a Sovereign Tech special in the future. Uh, the talk was very well received, so I think it's worth checking out some of the information in it. Uh, as I preface the entire talk with at Porkfest, uh, you know, this information changes by the minute, like Orfox has come out uh, like a couple days after I gave that talk. And Orfox is something I would have loved to have recommended people to use. Uh, as far as a web browser goes, you know, at the time I could only recommend IceCat. Um, well, we're going to talk about browsers more later in this episode. Let's get into the random access because I want to spend a good amount of time with our lead story. And then we've, we've got a hell of a tech roulette, uh, too. Believe me, you're, you're going to want to hear that. We got, we got a great episode all the way up, all the way across the board. I like to think I always do, but you know, maybe, maybe you don't think so. Uh, but real quick, you know, email me what you think. I, I'm curious in your opinion, actually. Email me. Let me know what you think. Do you, what should, should I do a, a you know, a, Q, a Periscope Q and A? Uh, as a special, or would you want it to be a full, you know, two hour episode of Sovereign Tech? Uh, you know, the advantage of doing a full Sovereign Tech that way is that people seem to not d download or, or anyway, listen to the specials as much as they listen to uh, the full, you know, the regular episode that comes out every single Saturday. Uh, so, you know, maybe that that's the advantage there. I, I don't know. Uh, but speaking of specials quick, actually, you know, something I, I'm going to do, I had a request uh, and the request is for to do a, uh, a special about X key score. And this is, of course, is the you know, this, of course, is really largely what started off 
the Snowden revelations. And it's important to me. I want to talk about it. There's been some great write-ups recently, uh, you know, highlighting more facts about it, you know, more features about it, you know, really bringing the reality of it uh, to four recently. And I think it's worth doing a special on, and I will do that special uh, very soon, actually. Uh, it will be, I'll release it within the next week, maybe two. And uh, that's important for me to talk about because actually it was a turning point. The Snowden revelations was a real turning point for Sovereign Tech, the show, because before, you know, if you listen to very early episodes of Sovereign Tech, I'm telling you, look, forget about your privacy. You don't have privacy, which I I was right. But the difference being is that I was kind of fatalist in that, look, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, as to where after the Snowden revelations, I was like, no, I'm going to worry about it. We're going to do something about this. We're going to make it fucking expensive for these alphabet soup organizations to try and get any information out of us. And that's, you know, the, the show really took a, took a turn, uh, at that point. And I, I'd like to think for the better. So, uh, you know, that's an important thing to talk about. And I will do a special, uh, about X key score. So, all right, let's get into the random access. Let's do this. Ways. W A Z E. Now it's interesting. People asked me about ways during the, uh, during the dark Android talk that I mentioned that you can watch, uh, on Ryan Taylor's channel. He has other great videos up there as well. Uh, you can see, uh, actually you can see Paige Peterson, give her talk on mesh networking there. There's, there's some others. Uh, there's also a free aid talk there. A lot of that I I'd like to release the audio for personally. So we'll, we'll see about that and have it in the sovereign tech feed, but you can go catch the, the, you know, the wonderful video and, and just see these beautiful people, uh, doing their thing there. Um, but one thing I met, one question I got was, you know, Hey stallion, how do you feel about ways at, uh, at this talk that I gave? And I said, well, it's owned by Google. I said, it's great. I understand like that, that it allows people to, you know, alert others that there are police ahead and that there are various, you know, authoritarian situations going on, et cetera. Um, in New Hampshire in particular, there's actually some great ways groups. Uh, there's one that in particular that's for Subaru, uh, that they, they really like watch the streets. I mean, it's really something and they're not anarchists either. Um, so ways in principle is a great thing, but ways owned by Google is disquieting in my opinion so anyway ways this week they announced or technically google announced that they are creating a rideshare service within it and this is where you know you carpool with people it's not like it's not necessarily like uber where you know it's a, a specific car coming to pick you up and a driver and that driver this is their job uh, it's ride sharing where you hop in the car with other people that are kind of going your way and this is initially only being opened up in Israel, uh, which is interesting in and of itself. But uh, it's called Ride With. And, you know, what to make of this? Uh, you know, I don't know. Did Because Uber, I think, and, and I kind of felt that the, the way that Google was involved with Uber very early on, um, I felt very much like that was Google, like Uber was almost a Google company. But maybe that's not really true anymore. Maybe Uber has just gotten so large and its investors, you know, uh, which are, are many, uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of them are very famous. You know, maybe, maybe they have more control over Uber than Google ever did. And now Google's wanting to get into this, uh, into this service. Um, I think, you know, carpooling in and of itself, again, the principle of all this, the principle of ways, the principle of ride with, I think they're fine ideas. I just hate the fact that Google's involved in it. And I can't help but feel that the reality of this is that Google is just collecting more and more data. 
you know, on, on your user, ha- you know, on, on its user habits, uh, on what, you know, what, like, I, I can just picture how advertisements could matter based upon the time that people go to work and things like this. So it's unfortunate because I think it's a fine thing. You know, it's good for the ecology and all this other stuff to do ride sharing and all that. And it makes very practical sense, especially in cities. Uh, but I still feel like underneath it all, it's just a data collection scheme for more efficient advertising because that's Google's bread and butter. Uh, or maybe it's something worse, but, <laughs> but at the very least, it's that, uh, maybe in some ways it will help make Google Maps better. Uh, I, a lot of things are just a lot of Google services that are totally free that don't appear to have anything to do with Google Maps are actually all about making Google Maps better. Think Ingress, the game that is totally about making, uh, Google Maps more efficient and, uh, you know, more accurate. Because, it, you know, the not, then it's like following people around and you're doing very specific things. And I sometimes, I, you know, with Ingress, honestly, sometimes I even think that the time it takes for you to do what you have to you have to hack the portals or set up portals or whatever, that that's like really giving like some geosynchronous systems uh, time to to be, you know, to really collect a lot of information or something. I know that's getting pretty conspiratorial, but at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff is about making Google's systems more accurate. And you can say that that's a good thing. But then who does Google work for? Who does Google work with? Those are important questions. And we're going to talk more about Google here in a minute. So let's 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 move on uh, from that. Uh, Interesting story. This is one. This is a nice one. I like this. I'm glad that this has occurred. Uh, There is a new dinosaur that has been discovered. Now, I've actually brought up dinosaurs a couple of times, but there's a new dinosaur that was discovered just recently. It's called Wendiceratops. So that sounds a lot like Triceratops, right? And that's because it is related. It is in that family uh, that Triceratops belong to, but it is a predecessor. And the unique thing about it, it seems it's it's horns, it's forward horns. But, you know, you can picture that shield. If you can picture Triceratops, you have the three horns going out and then you kind of have like that shield around the back of its head uh, that has little little spikes, you know, going little horns all around it. This one has the same deal. Except those horns are kind of, or you know, the, the ones around the shield, the shield kind of folds forward and so do the horns. But then its main forward horn, its nostril horn is kind of, it's more of a knob. It, it, it's not this pointed, it's not as pronounced as it would be on the Triceratops. Okay, so it's like half the height. And so this is important and I'll tell you why this is important. Now, there was a time, I know this is going to be hard to believe. Okay, but there was a time when I was what you would call a creationist. I believed in intelligent design. I was also a Christian. Okay, uh, you know, and then those are part and parcel. And I was one of those really literalist creationists for a while, you know, young earth, all that, all that good shit or (laughs) good shit being operative. And one of the things that creationists would bring up to people who talk about, you know, who would talk about the theory of evolution or, you know, the fact that the earth has been here for however billions of years was that certain species don't seem to have go-betweens now. I mean, and, and of course, you know, other species would be brought up like the coelacanth, how it never evolved. And of course that just comes from the fact that some things evolve at a slower rate than others. That's really all there is about the coelacanth. Um, but the triceratops was an interesting one because there was no in-between creature for triceratops. And so that created a bit of a problem. How did something just suddenly have these full, you know, big ass horns coming out the front of it. And well, when Triceratops actually solves that entire issue. Uh, 
because now here it is. Here is the in-between creature, uh, you know, between Triceratops and then it's, you know, it's even earlier predecessors, whatever those may be. Uh, so I think this is an important find, uh, you know, to, to figure this out because that was a genuine issue. Most people don't hear about it, but that's, of course, because, uh, you know, who wants to talk about this sort of thing? <laughs> so anyway, just an interesting point. Uh, and of course, please, no concerns. I am a full on atheist. Uh, you know, I definitely uh, believe in the theory of or believe. I definitely think that evolution is a fact, not just macro evolution, but the full deal. Um, I know there's even atheists that don't think evolution occurred, which, uh, you know, is mind boggling to me. But whatever, I have some what people would consider crazy theories uh, as well, like the idea that I don't think the Big Bang occurred, that maybe time and existence has just always been here. Uh, but anyway, that's enough of that. <laughs> We're going into crazy town a little fast there. Uh, so let, let's get into some other rapid fire stories or uh, rapid fire stories. That's what I used to call this. But random access. Let's get into some other random access. Uh, Facebook. No, you know, it wouldn't be a sovereign tech without talking about Facebook for a minute. But uh, Facebook, you know, a recent development that has occurred, and actually this is kind of a twofold random access here. A recent development that has occurred is, and everybody knows about it, is that the Supreme Court of the United States, or the colonies, <laughs> as I like to call them, has said that, that gay marriage is legal. Now, of course, marriage, I think, is, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's a very odd thing it's 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 a contract that doesn't make a whole lot of sense i don't think contracts make sense but in particular marriage is a very strange one it's one that is not well defined it is one that is not anyway so i don't want government involved in marriage at all if people want to get married they want to get married what who am i to say okay but i don't want government involved in that at all so that's unfortunate you know for that uh you know am i glad that some people are happy sure i'm glad that people are happy i'm not glad that government has taken uh control over more people's relationships but what happened is when this occurred facebook actually created a url where you could go there and you could change your profile picture to the you know the the gay flag the gay pride flag or you know whatever you want to call it, the homosexual pride flag where it's a rainbow now, I kind of cracked the joke uh, as I am ethnically Jewish. Now, the rainbow flag means something completely different uh, in Judaism. It's a sign of, uh, of Noahides, that being, uh, you know, Gentiles that accept, uh, you know, the covenant, essentially, without becoming Jews themselves. Uh, so, you know, I kind of cracked the joke. It's like, what, did everybody just become a Noahide? I thought these people were atheists or something. And... <laughs> That aside, um, in reality, I think what's going on here, and I think we're going to see this happen a lot more where not that Facebook came up with this idea. There is a there's a uh, there was a couple other like app companies like pin it or something like that, where they would you could put like a badge on your profile picture and it would be an app and it'd have to access your Facebook account and would do that. So it's not Facebook's original idea, but I think what's going to happen is, is that Facebook will use this for profiling. I think that's exactly what's going on. Like they found out everybody who is big on gay rights. And if somebody like Putin came into power in the United States, oh boy, you're on the list because you supported, you know, equality of love uh, at best and at worst, the, you know, the growth of government into those areas. If you make it an ant, people had started doing that. They're making an ANCAP flag. Well, the only thing that happens then is I unfriend you, but, or no, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, a lot of people have done that. Uh, well, I don't think that's the same because like what, what they're really tracking is the fact that they did it through their own URL. 
So I think that's kind of the important aspect of it is that they know exactly who did it. It's not like I, you know, yes, they could still keep track of all the profile pictures, but anyway, uh, th this will become more common. This will probably get used in, uh, you know, to make lists of people during uh, election time where you could have like a, you know, I don't know, they'll put a, put an ass or I mean a donkey, uh, you know, or an elephant, uh, over, over your picture or something like that. Yeah. What's up, love? So if you really want to support gay rights, you should just change your profile pic to a picture of a guy sucking another guy's dick. Yeah, that'll get taken down, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> How about two guys kissing? Sure. Uh, I yeah, mean, it won't get the algorithm. Yeah. Or two women kissing. Yeah. Two women kissing or That's something nice. like that. Yeah, I think that that actually that'd be a little more a little more blatant. I mean, you know, it's it's not a bad idea to do this. I'm just saying using Facebook's, you know, specific app is, you know, I think it's putting you on a list. And that actually wasn't my idea. Gizmodo said that, uh, which was interesting. So, yeah, if <laughs> two guys sucking dicks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, while we're on the topic of flags, um, the other thing that I thought was uh, just positively ridiculous was that uh, there was the the shooting, a very unfortunate shooting that happened uh, at a church, was in South Carolina, uh, down south, anyway. And uh, nine people, I believe, were killed. And after that, you know, they were they were they were black people. And after that, there was this mass like you know takedown of Confederate flags. There was this you know suddenly Confederate flags became even more anathema than they already were, which blew my mind. And Amazon and eBay stopped selling Confederate flags. Now, that's whatever. It's a company. They they can do technically they can do what they want. Uh, you know whether or not whatever however I feel about it is a different story. And that's when you bring in a boycott. Okay, but uh, you know and I, and please let me be clear on this that I think Confederate flags are ridiculous for a lot of reasons. Uh, for one, you know I mean even if I was even if I was looking at it from a Southern perspective. Okay, the average person that waves a Confederate flag, in my opinion, uh, pales in comparison to the amount of, and please, I'm not supporting these people. They were statists. They were terrible people. But speaking in a conventional sense, I'm speaking in a completely conventional sense, the people that waved the Confederate flag back when it was, you know, in live use were some of the quote unquote classiest people, wealthiest people that the world had known in the 19th century. So consider then though, that that those are the people, you know, that's the heritage that you're quote unquote, you know, respecting consider then the average person that usually goes around with an American flag or with the Confederate flag. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if there was laughter, I get it. I'm not insulting Southerners in general, please. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go into why I'm not, but anyway, I'm not, I'm just saying is that consider that it's, it's preposterous, you know, that, that, that symbol means absolutely nothing to this day. Even if you're considering it for Southern pride, it does not resemble anything remotely close to what that Southern pride was supposed to be. Not that I'm supporting any of it. Please don't misunderstand me. But in any case, so Amazon and eBay stopped selling anything with the Confederate flag on it, but here's the irony. They're still selling Nazi memorabilia. There's all kinds of, of different, quote unquote, hate material and flags that represent hate that are being sold. And mass through these, you know, through these online stores. 
So this is really pick and choose um, as far as what's all behind this in reality. I don't know. And I don't care. In many ways, any flag other than maybe a black flag is a symbol of hate. It's a symbol of oppression. Okay, so you might, you know, ban them all. (laughs) If you're going to ban one, just ban them all. But anyway, I just thought it was preposterous that that there's still, you know, uh, Nazi uh, memorabilia, you know, Nazi flags and all this various stuff uh, still widely available um, on these sites. And yet they're taking down the Confederate flag. I don't support either of them, obviously. Uh, I hope that's very, very clear. I just thought it was ridiculous uh, that that was really going on. I mean, and in fact, you know, while, while we're talking about banning, let's get right into our main story, because this this is a doozy. And what we've got here is yesterday I had noticed kind of out of the blue that, you know, I I have a daily routine where I will go to uh, Kick-Ass Torrents in particular. Sometimes I'll use Pirate Bay, but I I went to Kick-Ass Torrents and, you know, I will check what new releases and books are out there and, you know, what maybe even what movies or TV shows, whatever, you know, anything that fancies my eye, I, I go there and I take a look and I do it on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day, just to be able to, I mean, because so much stuff gets uploaded and I really like having, uh, honestly, a very impressive library of some very rare works, uh, which often can only be found on torrent sites uh, because they, you know, nobody cares to release them in a digital format, say on Amazon or Kobo or wherever. Uh, you know, whatever the reasons may be, sometimes this is the only way you can find certain books. And I don't have any qualms about downloading, uh, books that, uh, you know, that, that aren't rare either. If I really love something, believe me, I'm going to give the person money for it. Okay. Torrent or not. So I went there, you know, and I was using Chrome for that instant because I'm a tech journalist. So I keep an eye on these, you know, various platforms and I was using Chrome and suddenly just this big red screen pops up on me. I was like, what the hell is this? And I'm trying to find out what's going on. And it just says, you know, effectively, this site is dangerous, blah, 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 blah. And there's only two things below saying where it says, stop, this site is dangerous. Again, the whole screen's red. There's a little button. There's a, there's like a, it looks like a a hypertext link that says details. And then there's a big button to the right that says, go back to safety. Now that's important. The way that that's set up. And so I hit go back to safety and it just took me back to my new tab page. And then I went back to kick ass torrents and I said, all right, let's hit details this time. And I hit details and it lays out all this stuff. None of which is terribly clear that you can get past this screen. The language that, that Google set up here, and this was Google's malware warning page. These things aren't necessarily new, uh, but this is the first time that I had, you know, really, really seen it. And Google Chrome did recently update. So I'm guessing they just turned it on by default now because this feature can be completely turned off. This malware warning, you know, when it goes to various sites, uh, you know, it scans them perhaps for malicious ads, whatever the case may be. This can be turned off. But now it's on by default and there's something to the tyranny of default. We'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, I want to read a story because I wasn't the only one that this was happening to going to kick ass torrents. And I went to a couple other torrent websites, same deal occurred. So I've got a story here from torrent freak and I don't think there's any other podcast, you know, tech podcast or even maybe political podcast. That's really talked about this yet. So this is kind of breaking here. Um, Chrome blocks major torrent sites over quote unquote, harmful programs. 
Starting today, Google Chrome is blocking direct access to several large torrent sites, including Kickass Torrents, Torrents, that's with a Z, Extra Torrent, and R-A-R-B-G. According to Google, the sites contain quote-unquote harmful programs, but the site owners are clueless as to what they've done wrong. There's a slight panic breaking out among Google Chrome users. Over the past few hours, the browser has started to block access to several of the most popular torrent sites, including Kick-Ass Torrents, Torrents, Extra Torrent, and uh, RARBG, or RARBG, whatever. Instead of a page filled with the latest torrents, visitors are presented with an ominous red warning banner. Uh, quote, the site ahead contains harmful programs, and quote, Google Chrome informs its users. Quote, attackers on cat.cr, that's Kick-Ass Torrents' uh, most recent URL, might attempt to trick you into installing programs that harm your browsing experience, for example, by changing your homepage or showing extra ads on sites you visit. The warning, uh, end quote, the warning ads. And that's only after you, you pretty much like, well, all right, it says that initially, but even then, that that's really not, that's very vague, very broad. Okay, so reading on with the story, Google doesn't specify what the issue is with the sites in question. The quote-unquote safe browsing diagnostic pages only list the sites as quote-unquote suspicious and note that quote-unquote third parties can add malicious code to legitimate sites in some cases. The owners of the sites in question are clueless about the source of the problem. RBG's Operator informs Torn Freak that there is no additional information available in Google's webmaster tools either. Quote, I hope Google comes to its senses and actually allows webmasters to see what the issue is in their webmaster tools. End quote. Uh, RARBG's operator informs us. Update after, and, and this, this story has a few updates. Uh, after publication, some more information did appear in webmaster tools. So there was some degree of finding out what was going on. Reading on with the story, ExtraTorrent is not aware of any issues either and notes that the malware Google reportedly found are false positives. Quote, there are no malicious software uh, and you are still able to, or there is no malicious software and you are still able to load ExtraTorrent in Firefox, Opera, Chromium, and other browsers, end quote, the ExtraTorrent team says. We'll contact Google to resolve the issue shortly, they add. Interestingly, Several proxy sites, such as torrents-proxy.com, still work fine and don't show the warning screen in Google Chrome, since Google doesn't mention, quote-unquote, malicious software as the reason for the warning. It was most likely triggered by the, quote-unquote, unsafe ads many torrent sites run. These are typically linked to toolbar software or other unwanted programs. We reached out to Google to find out more about the sudden torrent site blocks, but we have yet to receive a response. Chrome users who want to bypass the warning can do so by clicking the details link or disable Chrome's malware warnings altogether. Update. Some people report that Firefox also started blocking access to several torrent sites. Uh, update from the Golden Stallion. That didn't happen. <laughs> I, I've checked on multiple copies of Firefox. Uh, I never ran into this problem in Firefox. So if that happened for some people, that may be due to uh, some kind of third party extension that they're running. I don't think Firefox is doing it on its own. Next update. Extra Torrent reading on Extra Torrent says it successfully resolved the issue with Google through Webmaster Tools. Uh, RARBG is also unblocked. Now, what did it take? Stallion cutting in here. There's one more update. And really just the other update is that uh, that Google did not comment on the specific situation when Torn Freak reached out to them and they just sent them a blog post to look at. And the blog post actually highlights 
what this webmaster tools is all about. So pretty much what these websites had to do, what these torrent sites had to do to get past this is they had to register with Google. They had to register for webmaster tools. They had to kind of leech in to Google's little ecosystem and then Google can check them out. Now, the thing is, is I'm not entirely certain and I don't want any of my websites to go through this. Maybe this will happen in the future. I'm not entirely certain what webmaster tools does, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's just a way for, you know, Google to keep an eye on things even closer than they already do on the internet. Now, there's a lot more to say about this, and I want to get into it. I mentioned earlier in the show that some predictions that I've made have come true. Now, I wouldn't begin to claim that I'm the only one to make them. I'll maybe save that for another time, (laughs) or maybe I did that. But what has occurred here is, well, there's a lot of bullshit for one. Okay, a lot of people are coming out. I've heard some people that are somewhat supposedly respected in the hackerspace say that, oh, this is just, you know, these sites had malicious ads uh, that, you know, that did some kind of crap. They weren't specifically targeted. They weren't targeted because they were torrent sites. Inaccurate. Not true. Okay, because the very same, you know, one thing that I do know about the webmaster tools that some of these other guys have released, these are the very same ads that porn sites use, that popular porn sites use. And I checked this myself. I didn't watch any, but that, you know, those sites weren't blocked at all yesterday. You could go to them, no problem. Same exact, uh, you know, ad, uh, you know, ad setups. And no problem. This, this was absolutely targeted at torrent sites. How are they getting around this? Well, like Google said, you just need to register with us, buddy, and you'll be just fine. The warning I had, the prediction I made, the warning I had made was that, you know, uh, the powers that be, they, them, those, Google, government, whatever, they don't have to take down websites anymore. That's not necessary. All they have to do is squeeze companies or not even squeeze, just ask because they're so fucking in bed with each other. Okay. They just have to say to Google or, you know, not, not the government, maybe the MPAA or it's just Google themselves. You know, that's another thing. I, I, let me break into that real quick before I get to the censure here. Okay. Is that I think some people would say, well, what about with the Sony pictures hack? Didn't, you know, wasn't Google considered Goliath? Weren't they considered the grand evil by the MPAA and the RIAA and all this? Uh, yeah, but you have to understand Google has a vested interest in not having torrents be popular or accessible too, because Google is in the entertainment business now. In fact, they, I would predict that's even their future. YouTube, you know, music all access, all of that. They are banking big on being the next thing in entertainment, in torrent, you know, torrents stand in their way of dominating that space. So does the MPAA, but we know that that battle's going on because the MPAA called them Goliath and consider, you know, in the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America considers themselves David. What does that say about? Google. So the point that I made was that sites don't have to be taken down. None of that has to happen anymore. All that has to happen is the browser has to say, you can't go there. You can't access this site. Oh, you like to get torrents? Too fucking bad. You're using Chrome. You do what we say at Google. Now, 
the immediate answer to this, of course, is that, well, you can just turn that feature off or you can use another browser. Yes, you can use another browser. That's the ultimate answer to all this. But yeah, you can just turn that off for how long? How long can you just turn that off? There's a ton of privacy features, you know, that that Chrome offers that Google uh, doesn't even like let you know about. OK, that you could have access to. We talked about that last week during uh, uh, Tool of the Week. We talked about that. OK, there's something called the tyranny of the default. And what this is, is that whatever something set as however its settings are set up and all that stuff, it's set as anti-privacy or it's set as privacy, whatever it's set as, that's what the bulk of people will just use. They'll just, they won't even think about it and they'll just use it the way it is. Uh, they won't get under the nuts and bolts like you could with say Firefox. Okay. And so because of this tyranny of the default, yes, this is going to get people away from using torrents. And like I said, Google's language, the ability to even go past this red screen is very confusing. Very, very confusing. And even the language that it uses, go back to safety as if somehow where you're going is not safe. You know, there's another interesting point with this that's really frustrating. Something, you know, with kick-ass torrents in particular, do you know where their servers went last? Somalia. How many times as an anarchist or libertarian or whatever, have you been told, look, if you want it that way, if you don't want any laws, you go to Somalia. I hear it all the time. Well, guess what? Kick-ass torrents went to Somalia and they're still getting fucked with. Where do we go now? It's a bullshit line. Anytime somebody tells you, go to Somalia, you tell them, no, 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 my people did, and they still got screwed with. That's because the one thing perhaps more dangerous than the colonies of the United States is domestic policy is their fucking foreign policy. Bolstered or in league with Google and a lot of these major tech companies. It's corporatism, corporatocracy, pick your word. This is censorship google is censoring information they are censoring what everybody that has any understanding knows is the greatest store of knowledge the world has ever seen that being the peer-to-peer -peer system of BitTorrent. and it's disgusting to see some liberty-minded people saying well it's okay that google does this that's that's perfectly fine they're they're a business they have a right to that because I don't think the questions being asked is that what if BitTorrent, what if the way that BitTorrent sends information, what if Bit, the way BitTorrent makes information available, what if that's the free market? What if what Google does isn't? Everybody talks about, well, the market will decide, the market will decide. Well, maybe the market decided that BitTorrent, that the freedom of that information being free is the way to go. And Google is working antithetical to market systems. Have you thought about that? As I said, how will information get controlled again? How will communication systems get controlled again? How will you, you, how will you lose your human liberties? 
in the online space in our modern world, it'll be done client-side, right on the browser. They don't have to go after anybody. Prediction made. Now, again, the fortunate thing is that, yes, we can just go to another browser. We can use Firefox. Maybe you don't even want to trust Firefox. I wouldn't be shocked if Firefox, uh, you know, there were some reports that Firefox already kind of did this. So maybe you get away from that. Uh, Firefox is doing some strong arming on their own. We've talked about that before on Sovereign Tech. You know, go to IceCat. Use Cubzilla. SeaMonkey. Take your pick. There's there's a lot of options out out there. And certainly, yeah, this is an area where the market's going to come up with some really great shit, you know, to completely get around this. But I'd venture that, and, and, and again, I'm saying, I think that, yes, absolutely, Google was targeting torrent sites. Some of these sites have gotten things worked out. Kick-ass torrents still gets that red screen as of this recording. And maybe it's because they don't want to play ball with whatever's going on in Google's webmaster tools, and that's their right. Maybe there's something just a little too, uh, I don't know, a little too ugly, a little too insidious maybe there. It's interesting how terrifying, you know, we talked about like the importance. Uh, I had Brett Vinat on the show a couple episodes ago at Porkfest, and we said, you know, isn't it, wouldn't it be so empowering to teach kids how to torrent? He said, oh, absolutely. I think that'd be phenomenal, you know, because the, the whole world is there. Well, the average child today is given a Chromebook. And guess what? Chrome won't let them get access to the greatest library in history. This is censorship. This is banned books. In a very literal, real sense. Can, do they have the right as a private company to do this? Yes. Okay, fine. They do. But then you, as an individual, can go and boycott and stop using this crap. And I mean, everybody's already saying that Chrome's gone downhill. I just heard it the other day on Security Now, uh, where Padre said, oh yeah, no, Chrome is the new IE. Why the hell is anybody still using that? It's a bloated fucking mess. Well, here's a great reason to get away from it, to get away from Google's ecosystem in general, because they're going to strong arm the shit. Amazon's doing this, too. This is the same thing as Amazon getting rid of the Cody app because it facilitated uh, piracy and all that, because it's getting in the way of all their media empires. Well, fuck them. Fuck them. Don't use their shit. Go open source or go home. I'll be back with more. This is Sovereign Tech. It is the year 91,001 BCE. Witness humanity's origins in Hypercronius, a classic role-playing game for Windows PCs with a story like no other game before. The liberty-oriented experience that is not to be missed. Go to zog.ninja to get your copy of Hypercronius today. Use the code SVT to get $1 off. Hypercronius, zog.ninja, code SVT. Thank you for the exclusive, Mr. Sovereign. Please, Jane. It'll be our pleasure. Tea? Oh, thank you. I must say, for an anarchist, you're not what I expected. I'll assume that's a compliment. It is. Uh, is it true what they say about you? That you're a godless hedonist, bent on ending governments and conservative values? All true. But, but... 
What about supporting the troops? Marriage, white picket fences, and apple pie. <laughs> Come on, Jane. I love pie. As far as everything else, it's all just here to keep you from being happy. Wouldn't you rather be traveling the world, fucking every day, not worrying about what other people think? Uh, oh, my, Mr. Sovereign. Come to think of it, I never felt like I fit into the system very well. I always wondered what it's like to be with an anarchist. Well, here's your chance to roll the roulette wheel and find out. Tech Roulette. It is time for Tech Roulette, where I get to calm the fuck down. Probably not, though, because <laughs> we've got a doozy of a story. But yeah, people, please. I don't know how many more people I have to tell you. Edward Snowden, take your pick. Do what you can to get away from Google, or at least a lot of Google's services, something. Just, you know, don't let these big-ass companies take over so much of your life. And the web browser, I hope that story that we just read proves the point. The web browser is, and I hate to use a war analogy, but it is the front lines of freedom of information. And in that case, freedom of speech. In our world today, it really is. You know, until we have decentralized uh, internets, you know, or peer-to-peer uh, networks like MadeSafe, ZeroNet, Maelstrom, the rest, until we have that, uh, we, you know, We've got to be paying attention to this sort of thing. And this is ugly. Maybe it was just a test bed on Google's part. They're going to see, well, how are people going to react if suddenly we just blocked every torrent site? You know, would that actually would, you know, I mean, would this like a behavioral thing? Did that, did it stop, uh, you know, torrenting overall, perhaps from the more skittish? I don't know. Everybody should learn how to torrent. Everybody should be torrenting all the time. It really should be a tragedy of the commons. So anyway, <laughs> speaking of tragedy, the con- or speaking of tragedy, <laughs> uh, this is an interesting story coming from the International Business Times. Codename Citicoin. Banking giant built three internal blockchains to test Bitcoin technology. Let's read the story here before we break in. Citigroup, the global advisor of multinationals and governments, has been using its scale and reach in some surprising ways, such as conducting transactions on mobiles, uh, mobile devices without bank accounts in Kenya and developing blockchains within the bank and test coins to run across them. Ken Moore, head of uh, City Innovation Labs, told uh, International Business Times during a technology briefing that the bank has been looking at distributed ledger technology for, quote unquote, the last few years and has amassed a skilled team. They have constructed three blockchains and a test currency to run across them. Moore said, quote, we have up and running three separate systems within city now that actually deploy blockchain distributed ledger technologies. They are all within the labs just now, so there is no real money passing through these systems yet. They are at a pre-production, pre-production level, to be clear. Quote, we also have an equivalent to Bitcoin up and running again within the labs so we can mine what we call a city coin, uh, for want of a better term. It's in the labs, but it's to make sure that we are at the leading edge of this technology and that we can exploit the opportunities within it. End quote. Boy, exploit or exploit being the uh, the real word there, isn't it? 
IB Times uh, asked if the bank had filed a patent on the technology behind CityCoin. Uh, no, replied Moore, adding that much of what they have been doing has been open source. Quote, most of our efforts have been focused on payments, trade probably being a second runner, end quote, he continued. City has been exploring payments in a cross-border capacity, as well as the regulatory environments across various jurisdictions, with a view to how transactions that have taken days can be done in seconds in a very transparent way. Quote, because we are a global network, a global bank, we can look for opportunities to use this technology to move money from country to country, country A to country, country B across our network. End quote. There is also the potential to eliminate counterparty risk. The bank has been examining use case scenarios where a large bank like Citi can transact with smaller local banks without worrying about risk or requiring cash collateral and performing immediate FX transactions uh, for an exchange. That's what FX means. City's innovation culture is seasoned. Like many big banks, it is now operating more like a venture capital funder in the fintech space. To achieve better results, it is speeding up its capital injection capacity. Quote, rather than a than yearly funding cycles, we are working on a 90 day cycle. So from a yearly to a quarterly funding cycle to give enough economic oxygen to these teams and quote said more. He said the bank is talking to governments. Woohoo! And regulators to predict to predict an end state and the potential of either a blockchain distributed ledger network popping up internationally or even, quote, the opportunity to create a state backed digital currency in a number of different countries End quote. Moore said the bank's wide ranging work in digital uh, digitalizing payments and transactions spans five large domains of which blockchain is just one in respect of dig distributed ledger. He said that rather than looking at 40 or 50 different companies, city has focused significant efforts on four or five city has a global network of innovation labs, which reflect its geographic footprint with labs in Tel Aviv, Dublin, Singapore, and a venture capital outfit based in Palo Alto. The bank said it was also in the process of creating new labs on the consumer banking side to add to the two it already has, one in Blue Ash and one in Singapore. So in any case, let let we can stop there and we can talk about this. First off, so they have wide reach. No shit. It's it's a bank. You know, it's it's a multinational bank. As far as them not being able to transfer funds quickly. That's nonsense. That's that's ridiculous. When emails can get sent across the world in seconds, there's no reason that payments can't be made in seconds over the same protocol that email runs on the Internet. That's a lie on their part that somehow this is going to be advantageous to send quicker payments, to send payments in seconds uh, in all of this. The reason that they're that they may be interested in this, there are a few and I want to lay them out. OK, the reason that they're interested in this is because it would allow them to, you know, confirm those transactions quicker, not make the actual transaction quicker. But the reason that it needs to be confirmed quicker is because right now money transferring from bank to bank, from location to location, country to country is going through this very strange mixer, not a good one, like a Bitcoin mixer. It's it's, it's shuffling hands. It's robbing Peter to pay Paul as it goes around. So that's what that's that that's what that's really about on that end of things. It's not about actually making, you know, the whole system go quicker. OK, if they wanted to do that, they could just be honest about the money that they have or perhaps more interestingly, that they don't have 
and wouldn't want that to get out. But here's the real thing behind this. And this is a really key point to bring to mind about blockchain technology in general. Is that like any other technology, it's a double-edged sword. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. It can be used to protect or affirm human liberties, or it can be used to take them away. And one of those human liberties is privacy. I think anonymity to some degree is, I think, you know, security, things like this. And while these systems are very secure, one of the uh, side effects of that security is that they allow for tremendous tracking abilities. Now, this is why a lot of people have said for years in the Bitcoin space, in the Bitcoin world, they said the only thing that would really unseat Bitcoin is something that was more anonymous. That's what it would take to have something better than Bitcoin. Now, why were they looking for that? Because these people knew years ago that blockchain technology could be used to track you better than the Internet ever could. I know this would this sounds perhaps antithetical, but I'll explain more why it isn't. OK, because you would think, well, blockchains are decentralized. Uh, doesn't that mean that there's not a centralized power? No, 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 no. The blockchain itself and this is not new to Sovereign Tech listeners. I've said this before, and other people have said it. David Irvine and MadeSafe and others. The blockchain itself is a centralized point of, uh, of data collection. Yes, it can exist in multiple areas. It doesn't have to be in one spot, and thus it's not uh, you know, susceptible to uh, like server attacks and things like that. Okay, but it's still really a centralized system. Because of that, because of that resiliency that comes along, Okay, and because it is that central point of, of all that data collection that 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 spread everywhere, it's actually far better. Blockchains potentially, in my opinion, could be far better at tracking everything you do, all of your finances, whatever you've got going, than the centralized system we exist in right now. You know, the the centralized the big bad internet that we're dealing with. And anonymity is not going to be baked into these uh, these bank chains or blockchains into city coin. So, oh, yeah, they've they've taken a very they've taken a very vested interest in this technology because it actually allows them more control. And that's so key, because I think everybody's saying, oh, the blockchains, well, this will just set everything free and all this. I mean, blockchains are getting used in IoT, Internet of Targets. I'm sorry, Internet of Things. It's getting used there, too. Why? Because it's so efficient at keeping an eye on things. And the problem is, is that means it's efficient at keeping an eye on you unless the code itself allows for anonymity. And it doesn't. And they're appealing to the whole open source fallacy. They want people to develop for this and get all excited about it and not realize that these blockchains that they're building are actually the same chains of a slave. Because everything you do is going to be put into that nice distributed ledger. Because you didn't want or didn't care about anonymity. Well, it's great. It's more secure. That's great. It's more resilient. Yes, that's phenomenal. Blockchains are a genuine leap in technology. That's a fact. But it needs more, just like the Internet. How many people have to come out and say it? Because it's not just Vince Cerf anymore. A lot of people said that, you know, security, encryption, all these things should have been built into the Internet. Now, of course, Vince Cerf works for Google, so who the hell knows what he thinks? But many people have said that encryption should have been built into the Internet from the get-go. 
and we're in a lot of trouble right now because it wasn't. Well, encryption brings along with it the capability of anonymity that should be part of that encryption. I'm going a step further. Anonymity should be baked in into every single communications technology, be it a ledger, whatever the case, you know, whatever that means. It should be there because without anonymity, we've said this before, I'll say it again, without anonymity, you are missing freedom of speech. You don't have it. If you're being watched with everything you do, do you really feel comfortable saying things? I mean, seriously, you know, if your mother was around, are you going to say the same things around her if she wasn't and say there was a beautiful woman nearby or a beautiful man? Probably not. That's so key to have spaces where you can say what you want to say. But those things have to be baked into our technologies that we have right now. Blockchains have the potential to be more controlling than anything we have right now. I've talked about it before, but I'm hitting it home. Time now for 90 Seconds on Sex with Dr. Paul. We guys usually don't wipe after we urinate. You shake your penis once or twice and hope it doesn't start dripping after you pop it back into your pants. Well, it's different for women. They usually wipe after they pee, and the opening between a woman's labia is large enough that the tender skin can become irritated from external sources. In fact, a medical journal recently reported about a woman who had chronic burning and itching between her labia. All the usual tests proved negative, and they'd ruled out the common sources of irritation between the labia, such as feminine hygiene products, soaps and powders, detergents, any products that contain perfume, and wearing thongs or G-strings. The physicians were stumped until they discovered that each time this woman visited her native country, her genital irritation would disappear. Her native country is poor and doesn't have the kind of premium, fluffy, white toilet paper that we do. Now, if toilet paper were the culprit, most of us would assume that it would be the cheaper, rough, tan-colored toilet paper that's used in poorer countries. Not true. It requires chemicals like formaldehyde to give our premium toilet paper its pillowy softness. So if a woman is sensitive to formaldehyde, premium toilet paper could be causing chronic genital irritation, as it was in this woman's case. Of course, if a woman has genital irritation, she should check with a gynecologist. For more, visit 90secondsonsex.com. Oh, ah, that was... I'm speechless. Oh, if I'm leaving a reporter speechless, I must be doing things right. (gasps) Natalia, what's going on? Agent Sovereign, read this. Then meet me at the Central HQ. I have to go. What was that? And why would someone give you something on paper these days? Because it's something that is too important to risk sending digitally. As for what the message says, it looks like I've been doing things wrong. Important Messages. It is time for Important Messages, where I answer the questions that get sent in to me through the various channels available. Of course, there's BitMessage. Uh, you can go to Zog.Ninja or SovereignTech.Ninja, and there's the Contact Us tab. There's a ton of ways to get in touch with the show, uh, not, some of which are rather anonymous. You don't have to tell me who you are, your name. I don't even need your email address. You, you can you can get in touch with me. Um, and this, So you get to take control of the show, just like with Tech Roulette. That came from a story that was sent in to me from a Sovereign Tech listener. Uh, now we get into questions. Uh, questions so you know before somebody thinks holy cow you know golden stallion you've gone off the off the deep end here 
because like the, the conspiracies are just piling up or something. It's like, no, it's not a conspiracy. <laughs> I mean, when, when suddenly banks start seeing advantages in using blockchain technology, and please make it clear, they're not using Bitcoin. They're just using blockchains. Uh, yeah, you should, you should pause and say, wait a minute, what can this technology do? But to prove that I'm not so much the conspiracy theorist, uh, I got a lot of uh, questions uh, from last week's The Climax, where I talked about, I, well, I was mainly talking about Porkfest, but I ended up getting into talking about 9-11. Uh, and people in the liberty movement in particular, or, you know, celebritarians, as they're called, uh, that seem to have made their living off of peddling a lot of fear and a lot of, you know, unjustified or baseless conspiracy theories uh, around 9-11 that either the government was involved or they did it themselves. There weren't actually any terrorists, what, you know, whatever the case may be, the whole 9-11 truth movement. Okay. And so a lot of people said, you know, but isn't there a lot of data that, that brings all of this up into question? You know, the whole, what ha what actually happened at 9-11, isn't there building seven and all this shit? Yes, there's lots of things that bring up questions. There's I've never, you know, I've never not questioned the whole ordeal. Again, I want to make this really, really clear. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I want to make it really clear that I'm just saying that I don't have enough data to come up with a conclusion as to what went down. And thus, I am not going to base any further theories around something that has no base in and of itself, that being 9-11 truth. And that was my, that was my critique of these people is that they are, you know, in fact, I even said, I said on social media, I said, the only 9-11 truth is that a lot of, is that some libertarians separated a whole lot of libertarians from their hard earned cash and scammed them out of it with, with nonsense. Nothing has come out of I mean, I, you know, I can only imagine how much money some of these 9-11 truther uh, bigwigs have made and what has come out of it. How more free do you feel? You don't. Nothing's come out of it. And we'll talk more about financial stuff during the climax this week. I actually it's kind of a hot topic this week with things going on in Greece and China, Puerto Rico and, and you know, other areas. Um, I think there needs to be talk about a place that needs some truth. There needs to be a lot of truth laid out in those areas. So, you know, and okay, look, there's things to discuss about what's happened after, you know, provably happened after nine 11, like the TSA and whatever. It's so easy to take nine 11 and don't turn it into a conspiracy theory. Just show how government largesse and government trampling after nine 11 that it may have killed more people here. There's an interesting statistic that because people don't want to go through the TSA, they don't want to go through the, you know, extra work uh, that it takes the pat downs, the, uh, you know, the, the, the back scanners, you know, the radiation, all that stuff. Okay. Because people don't want to go through that. They may have driven more to their destination instead of fly because of that. The statistic goes is that road deaths, deaths while driving have gone significantly up since 9-11. And it could be attributed directly to the TSA, to a government program that kept people from, you know, flying what is also statistically the safest way or flying, but traveling what is statistically the safest way to travel, which is flying. Attack that. Go after that. 
don't go with stuff you don't have any actual numbers on or that you don't have any like like real hard data. Go with those sorts of things. Show how the NS, you know, how the TSA, uh, you know, does really does trample uh, on on people's, you know, on personhood, on everyone's personhood, and how that could have caused a whole lot more deaths. So, I mean, there's there's a way to go about talking about 9-11 in showing, you know, in showing that 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 bad things have come of it. But like I said last week, too, you know, again, even if you prove that George Bush did it all. No one's going to do anything. No one's going to wake up. Which is a ridiculous religious term in the first place. All right. Uh, let's get into, you know, while we mentioned Porkfest, uh, <laughs> there was a follow up question from Porkfest during the, because I did a live QA at Porkfest, uh, which people seem to really enjoy. And there was a follow up question that I didn't get to. It was asked, but I didn't really give, you know, an answer to satisfaction. And so I want to do that. So I got a bit message uh, from someone, you know, wanting me to, to elaborate a bit more. Uh, hi, Brian. On the last episode of Sovereign Tech from Porkfest, I had asked about a shutdown slash block of the DNS. I asked it in two parts, the first part of which was answered, but the second part was not. In light of the opinions expressed that the government would probably not cut all communications but their own, leaving communication possible if we had the proper quote-unquote phone book, which is what I compare a DNS entry to, or a DNS uh, system to, Available to access websites, what are your thoughts on an independent DNS that could be held client-side? It would not, of course, include all web addresses, but if crowdsourced, it would include all of the addresses that those contributing to the DNS regularly visit or think are important. It could also be maintained on user computers in segments so that each individual would have the addresses for sites that they may they might be interested in. The reduced size of individual DNSs uh, could, could be held client-side. Those who go to porn a lot uh, would keep a personal DNS file of the addresses of porn sites. Those who use the web for history could maintain a DNS file for history websites, etc. In this way, the quote-unquote internet we now have, just as important as any other internet, would remain open to everyone in the event of pressure from the powers that be to prevent such communications. In any case, it decentralizes the DNS, making it DAPS compatible. And of course, DAPS is my term that I coined for decentralization, uh, anonymity, privacy, and security. It also occurs to me that these group of files could be put out to someplace like Freenet or in the future made safe for anyone to access. Freenet is known to be censorship uh, resistant. And from what I know of made safe, it too appears censorship resistant uh, thoughts. And you know, it's a great question. Um, and that's something too, you know, that, that kind of piggybacks sort of off both the, the previous segments that we did. One is, is that MadeSafe does not actually have a centralized blockchain. Okay. That was one of the, the reasons that I initially got so excited about made and, and still am, you know, so excited about MadeSafe and great developments are happening there, by the way. Um, is that, you know, it, it's not, there isn't just one blockchain. Okay, the data is never all in one place or whatever. You know, it it really does, you know, just just within its own kind of programming ethos, allow for anonymity if you want it. And, and, you know, I want to make that clear, too. I mean, if some people don't want anonymity, fine, you don't want it. Okay, but if we're talking about systems that are used, you know, interchangeably for, you know, for human interaction, I think it's very important to protect human liberties, to bake anonymity into these things, the possibility to have it there and to lay it out. It's so hard. That's why I have, that's why I have a whole dark Android.info. It's because it's so hard to actually get any kind of anonymity today. 
you know, and still, uh, you know, engage in commerce or communications, things like that. Um, so anyway, it, the, the second point that it gets to actually is that with the DNS idea, I, I like this idea that this, uh, that this messenger is, is laying out, you know, of having separate DNS files. And there's a lot I could say about this, but again, they don't even have to put an end to the DNS system. They could do it client side. They could do it right with the browser, just like Chrome could potentially and did a block torrent sites. The reality as to why they did that may be up to some degree of supposition. But I think it's pretty clear who they went after because other sites, they use the same kind of stuff. You know, it, it just didn't happen that way. So, you know, there, there's not a need, you know, like these these grand uh, uh, operations. This is kind of the ironic thing. Like there's no need. There is a cutoff switch for the Internet, right? It's uh, uh, special operations 303 where they can cut off the internet. It has a kill switch. This was slate talked about it. This was years ago. Uh, you know, so it's fact, it's not, it's not a conspiracy theory. Uh, you know, there's no need to go that far because when you get people reliant upon, uh, you know, various software and you have the tyranny of the default, particularly when people boot up their computers, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, it's very easy to just do it that way, to just cut it off. And if you tell people go, like, especially when you use language, like there's a lot of psychology around this shit too, because like when you say, oh, go back to safety, they'll just go back. You know, they're like, oh, safety, <gasps> this isn't safe. I mean, they're just, they're, they're playing with people's heads. Um, he had a little bit, a uh, bit of an addendum to, to what he sent. So I want to read that. Uh, it has now occurred to me that the modular DNS groups would also form something that could replace Google, Yahoo, DuckDuckGo for many purposes. It would not be for keyword searches, but it would be a kind of subject index, uh, to books in print for the internet. Uh, this idea is immediately actionable. And I agree. And actually, you know, before I get into some more of, of my, my points on this, uh, I want to lay out that I there you may have noticed on Sovereign Tech at SovereignTech.ninja or ZOG.ninja, it all goes to the same website, just different sections of the site. But if you looked at the top, and I did a blog post about this uh, yesterday called Upcoming Projects. So people, because a lot of people are asking me, hey, there's like these segments on your site. There's these sections on your site. And when I click on them, all they do is they say coming soon. What exactly are these? Like, what do you have in mind? And so I, I you know, did a blog post explaining what I have in mind uh, for these. And the one that's called the World Wild Web, and you can actually get to it by typing in, just going to the URL, rewild.xyz. Uh, this is me, where I've talked about on Sovereign Tech, of rewilding the internet. Okay, getting it away from centralized systems. And one of the ideas that I had is I want to bring back, this is something that was very popular in the 90s, and even in the early aughts with the internet, was what was called web rings. Where you had, uh, you know, just a little widget or, you know, at the time it was just HTML code, but you had a little widget, you know, a little link at the bottom that would take you around to various sites on a certain subject. Like if you were a Stargate SG one fan, I remember there used to be a Stargate, uh, web ring and it would just take you around to all these different sites that had gotten involved with this web ring. And that's a really cool idea. And like, like the, you know, like the email here, the messenger said here, you know, this could replace Google 
and DuckDuckGo, even though DuckDuckGo is a fine company, but and I know he knows that, uh, you know, but this could replace search engines. And I actually said that in my blog post is that web rings could get rid of the reliance upon search engines, because then you could find all these different, uh, uh, you know, websites on a certain topic. And so that's what the World Wild Web uh, initiative that I'm doing is all about. It's about you know, getting away from relying upon third party services because they'll just, you know, Google has shown it plenty of times now that they'll have something that they put millions of dollars into in development that they made a very big deal. Think like Orchid or Wave or whatever, uh, or e even Google Reader, uh, and they'll just pull it out from under you. <laughs> I mean, they'll just be like, no, yeah, all right, we're done with that. We're, we're not going to use that anymore. And if your business or your uh, engagement with your audience or other people was reliant upon this third party system, uh, you're screwed if they just take it away from you. So it's really important, I think, for websites, web services, uh, you know, podcasters, whoever else to get away from relying on these big, uh, you know, these big tech companies in general. And, you know, that web ring could, you know, might potentially, the, you know, this DNS idea, I like this really, this is really cool. Uh, and if you could preload it into a web browser like Firefox, obviously Chrome's probably not going to allow for that. <laughs> uh, you know, and then just an access from there and maybe it'd have like a directory uh, that you could get through. I think it's a, it's a really cool idea. That's very nice. And until we have, you know, real peer-to-peer -peer networks, like I said, uh, this is definitely a way to go. Uh, I loved like the name coin idea of having an alternative uh, DNS system that, that you could just, I mean, that, that's kind of what name coin was, you know, this is just maybe a way of doing it uh, a little more precise, uh, a little more, I don't know about efficient. It certainly wouldn't, it wouldn't be as resilient as maybe Namecoin was. Uh, but it'd be, it'd be an, an interesting way of, of doing things. I mean, how would you constantly, would you have to constantly update it? I mean, there's a lot of stuff to, to work out as far as that goes, but I agree. This is actionable. Um, and I would love, since clearly we're in need of new web browsers, if there was a web browser built that did have its own uh, DNS systems. Now, I mean, you know, DNS, there are alternative DNSs out there. There's open DNS. Uh, Google has its own DNS that you can use uh, and you can program it into your router. And maybe that's the route to go is that you could just have the router, you know, like constantly update this list. Uh, you know, have packets sent to it or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of ways that this could go, but I think it's a fine idea. Uh, I, I really, I really like it. And, and like I said, Namecoin was kind of trying to do that. There was the problem of people squatting on the web addresses. Uh, you know, it's, it take a lot of thinking, but I think the idea of having independent DNS systems uh, would be, would be a really a, a good idea. So I appreciate um, getting emailed about that. So let's get into, uh, we've got another question here. This is uh, this one's interesting. Hey, Brian, you, Sovereign Tech, Zog.Ninja, Dark Android, etc., are all awesome and much appreciated. Thanks. I have some friends who are using these Fitbit things. These seem to be a pretty nice concept, though I assume that they're the opposite of DApps technology. And like I said, with DApps, decentralization, anonymity, privacy, and security. So my question to you is, are there any options for something like, th like this that are even close to DApps or otherwise acceptable for those of us who don't have any interest in sharing biometric info with Facebook, Google, or otherwise. Thanks again. I hope you and Stephanie are having a great time at Porkfest. So I, I got that email while I was at Porkfest. <laughs> um, yeah, as far as I know, and I've looked into this, uh, there is not, there, there is not a, I mean, you could, 
you could log into it with false credentials. But the rate at which, you know, the amount of sensors and the fact that it sends various data to, uh, you know, your smartphone and most of these have to interact with your smartphone to some degree, or at least the more advanced ones do, I guess, Fitbit, you can wear independently. Um, but I'd be curious what kind of data they actually send. And when it connects to your smartphone, bottom line is that with enough data, even if you put in a false name into a Fitbit, if you're wearing it around with you all day, they could figure out that it was you. Uh, so I, I don't know this is something, this is one of those big questions because a lot of people have wanted to do, I've heard other people talk about wanting to do certain like anonymous collection of medical data because they recognize that a person's privacy is incredibly important and an anonymity is a part of that. Okay. Uh, and so they don't, but they, so they want all of the medical, medical data to be able to, you know, help cure diseases and all this stuff, but they want to be able to do it, to do it anonymously. Right. And how do you pull that off? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer to that. Uh, and so that's partly the same reason why I would imagine that Fitbit, you know, why a lot of these things like they can't like in, in their very principle, at least as I understand it right now, uh, could not be anonymous. Now, if someone could figure out how to do that, uh, I think you'd make some serious money. <laughs> like, like if you could figure out how there's just no way that your biometric data or, you know, or, you know, your biological data would get sent to one of these big companies, how you could pull that off. Um, I, I mean, I think you'd, you'd be making millions. So challenge to all of you to be able to do that. Like I said, within its, it's very, I think within its very existence, like by the, by the very principle of what the device is, it's impossible to have dApps. It's impossible to have actual anonymity, uh, within that maybe privacy based around security of some kind, but, uh, but really not, not anonymity. Um, and, it, you know, it's a matter of time. I mean, these things are scary things are happening with these fitness trackers. Uh, there was already a woman who she I think it was in Florida. I did a write up about this on uh, I think it was on the Dark Android blog at darkandroid.info. I did a write up about it where, you know, I, I said, hey, you know, these these Fitbits, you know, these these fitness trackers could potentially get you in a lot of trouble. In fact, a woman had claimed that she was raped, but due to her Fitbit data, the court found out the state court found out that, Oh no, no, she was awake or she was asleep. Whatever the case may be. She, there was no way that she got raped at the time that she said she got raped. And so the case got thrown out. Now I'm glad that, you know, some, you know, somebody that didn't do something, uh, you know, was let sent free. Okay. I'm happy about that. But at the same time, we talk about the double-edged sword of technology. There's the problem is that that could be used just as easy to implicate you for something that, may have not been illegal a week ago, but now is illegal. And this happens and you could get arrested retroactively. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's a ton of things that could go wrong. Or if Fitbit data, if that metadata becomes, you know, admissible in court and becomes a common thing in court, who does it behoove to falsify that data? Yes. You know, people that system D maybe will find out ways to falsify uh, that data, but you wouldn't need to do that if you just didn't wear the goddamn thing. OK, <laughs> but so who is interested in falsifying the data? Well, that would be, uh, you know, that would be the state. That would be governments. Authorities would be interested in falsifying that data. Uh, th this is, you know, handing this stuff up to people that I mean, just 
you know, consider the amount of hacks. What was it recently that 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 hack on, on the? We talked about it briefly on Sovereign Tech in the past. We did it for a hack sec. But now, some odd twenty-one million social security numbers of government workers are have been have been taken through this quote-unquote hack, or perhaps more accurately, crack. Uh, what you know? How good of a steward has any of these organizations, you know, any company, any government, been of your data? They're terrible stewards of it. There's plenty of evidence. This isn't hypothetical. There's tons of evidence that they suck at it. So why would you give it to them? Well, you don't care. You don't mind if everybody knows about when you go to sleep or your sleeping data or where you run and all that stuff. Okay, well, you don't care. Uh, And that's fine. You don't have to care. All right. But I care and other people care. And hopefully, you know, the, the concern becomes is that when is insurance companies, I wrote about this in the article, when are insurance companies, health insurance companies going to make these things uh, mandatory for you perhaps to get a lower plan? Because, look, people don't have a lot of money these days. OK, and if if a health insurance company said to you, hey, wear this Fitbit, we'll give you two hundred dollars off your premium. Oh, you bet your ass a lot of people are going to do it. Of course, then they're going to get you for it. Okay, and so the concern is, is, you know, when does that become a requirement? You know, think of health insurance itself. Health insurance at one point was not mandatory. Now it's effectively mandatory. You know, punishment by, you know, punished by fine, at least. When does wearing a Fitbit become mandatory? I think if you said to people 20 years ago that health insurance would become mandatory, they'd laugh at you. They'd say, no way, that never happened. Certainly wouldn't happen in the United States of America. Well, it did. So, yeah, anything that gives up this data and it's voluntary right now, like it's I think it's really important that people don't make it some kind of standard. I get the appeal to it. I know it's the gamification. That's a whole other argument. I talked about that before. People didn't like what I had to say because they like their carrots and sticks. But, you know, I I don't mean to be that harsh because not everybody's that way. And I said so in my article, uh, you know, on the on the on the dark Android blog that I know there's some people that genuinely are using this to advance medical knowledge. I, I get that. Okay. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's important that this does not become some kind of standard. It's really, really important that that doesn't happen. I feel the same way about mobile devices. Mobile devices should not be like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want companies or whoever else to just automatically assume that everybody has one. I mean, that, 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 that creates all kinds of, uh, of issues, uh, in my opinion. These technologies can be used for fine and dandy things. I'm aware of that. Okay. Uh, and, and, but somehow it's got to get figured out to where they fit in with, you know, the whole, the whole DAPS, um, idea. So yeah, I'd love for somebody to come up with a Fitbit that respected people's privacy and anonymity and was very secure. Uh, that does not exist at this moment. Uh, it really, you know, just, it really doesn't. And it's a shame. Um, Because I know, I mean, there's success stories, right? There's lots of people that have gotten very, you know, very fit because finally, like they, they track the data and say they're, you know, they're more of the nerdy type and believe me, I'm the king of the nerds. Okay. And they love seeing this data. And so that, that incentivizes them to, uh, you know, to do more or to increase what they're doing. I get it. Okay. And I'm not saying that's evil or anything like that. I'm not laying out some kind of grand judgment. I'm just saying what gets done with that data after the fact. And, you know, it's important to point out like uh, Casio, you know, in the eighties and nineties, people released watches that could do that could track a lot of this data. Now those do support DAPS, but that's because it's only read on one device. There's no Bluetooth. There's nothing. It doesn't transmit it anywhere. It's only on your device. 
but those aren't sold anymore. But you can look into that. There was a lot of, you know, before there were smart watches, there were some pretty smart watches that could do a lot of uh, what these fitness trackers could do. And it didn't get sent anywhere. Are you sick of government lackeys who say you didn't build that? Are you tired of elitists like Barack Obama and Al Gore taking credit for the web while trying to take over the web? Are you disgusted by experts whose concept of the Internet is that it's a series of tubes? Take back the free market of computing by encouraging software developers to adopt the BIPCOT no-gov license. The BIPCOT no-gov license allows any use or modification except by governments. Go to BIPCOT.org. That's Bravo, India, Papa, Charlie, Oscar, Tango, dot org. Jane, Natalia, come on! They're right behind us. They can't just jump off this building. No, but with a little help I called on. Hello, Agent Sovereign. The jetpacks you requested? Right on time, Elizabeth. I am not flying with one of those. I'll hold you, Jane. Relax. Tech is just a tool. Tool of the Week. It is time for Tool of the Week, where I cover a website or a service or an app or something physical, whatever, uh, that, that is useful. Sometimes it's terrible. I'm happy to warn people to not use certain software. Um, but this is one of the good, this is one of the good ones we're going to do this week. <laughs> and it's a website and it's actually, it's been uh, highlighted in other areas. Um, I've shared it already through other channels, but I want to make sure people know about it. And it's privacytools.io. And as Steve Tiberius Gibson of Security Now fame and personal hero of mine has said, it is an education in a page and it most certainly is. Uh, you want to talk about DAPs? You want to? talk about getting decentralization, you know, or at least anonymity, privacy, and security. Oh boy, you've got it. <laughs> if you go through what this website has to talk about, uh, lists of VPNs, list of, uh, of browsers. Actually, it's not a long list. It says use Firefox and nothing else. <laughs> and uh, actually, you know, I mean, considering maybe you listen to the first segment of this, of the show and you said, okay, I, that's it. I'm done with Google. They've crossed the line finally, because now they're they're literally censoring parts of the internet. Uh, if you interpret it in that way, I guess maybe other people would say, "Oh no, no, they're just securing people." Blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, you know, maybe you want to start using Firefox. Well, this website tells you a, like a super super secure private way of setting up uh, Firefox. I was really impressed. There's even some flags because you know browsers have ways to configure them if you get in really knee deep. Uh, and there are some flags that even I hadn't turned on. Uh, they recommend turning off WebRTC. That was an interesting one uh, because WebRTC is an interesting technology, but, you know, it's it's leaking data. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it talks about that. It's yeah, like I said, VPNs to use, um, how to go about Tor, what messaging uh, software to use. Uh, there's there's just tons. It's loaded and it explains why you want to use these things. Um it has, it definitely falls in line with where everything is completely open source that is very important, uh, to it. So, you know, there, there's that. Uh, this is just, it's an impressive website. It's really, really well done. It's very similar. Consider it, you could consider it the desktop version of what I'm trying to do with darkandroid.info. Of course, their web design skills are far superior to mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, uh, they did great. And they even talk about like, you know, putting up warrant canaries on your website, which actually, if you go to zog.ninja uh, for the past month or so, I've had a warrant canary uh, on there. There's a there's a, a little picture and you just want to keep an eye out for if that picture, it says the site has not been contacted by the FBI. Uh, if that picture ever disappears, well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, you know, it talks about that. It talks about best practices, uh, for websites to do, like, like I just described. It talks, I mean, they're just, it's, it's almost endless what it allows for. Um, the only thing it doesn't really get into, I think it describes it a little bit, but it doesn't give like full on solutions is it doesn't get into like the hardware matters of it. That's something I try to touch on with darkandroid.info and the dark Android blog, uh, is talk about, you know, hardware to use, you know, give you the full, full picture. And, you know, I, I would wish, and in fact, I, I emailed them about this. I said, you know, may, you might want to list off the Liberboot X200, which I put a link in to the show notes for every single episode of Sovereign Tech, whether I'm talking about it or not. It's in there because it's like the one computer I feel like you can really, really trust. Uh, and it's been backed by the Free Software Foundation, and that's in many ways good enough for me. So, uh, so privacytools.io, uh, I really, I can't recommend this site enough. Go through it. The, there wasn't really a piece of advice in there that I didn't consider absolutely solid. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they went to the baseline, you know, they, they went to the bottom floor of, okay, you know, do your own threshold, but if you want to know how to go all the way, you start with everything that this website says, and then you go up from there. Um, you know, I would question, like, I don't know that they should have recommended Firefox. I would have recommended IceCat for desktop because Firefox is starting to implement some degree of closed source code. Uh, it's stuff that you can turn off. Yes. You know, and it talks about it, but uh, I, I, that's really, really annoying. I, I think getting away from even the big two might be important, but using Firefox is a far finer thing. I'm still a fan largely of what Mozilla does. I love Rust language and all this stuff. I'm going to be learning that. I love all of that. Okay. Uh, but you know, just keep that in the back of your mind. So I would have liked it if they recommended that or they recommended Sea Monkey or, you know, Ice Cat, like I said, uh, or Cubzilla, you know, any of those would have been great. So anyway, privacytools.io. It is an education in a page. If you want to understand uh, a lot of the things we talk about on Sovereign Tech that maybe, you know, you're not sure on the finer points, there's a lot to learn from there uh, about how to get some serious uh, daps, some serious anonymity, privacy, and security at least. Anyway, I'll be back with more. This is Sovereign Tech. Hey, this is Michael Dean from the Freedom Fiends Radio Show. I've been working with computer programmer Derek Slopey to create Fiend Phone. I'm using Fiend Phone right now to talk with and record one of my co-hosts in real time. Take it, Davi. Hey, this is Davi Barker, and I'm a thousand miles away from Michael, but we sound like we're in the same room. We sure do, Davi. So, Davi, please tell the nice people more about FiendPhone. FiendPhone is free, open-source software that opens up a global world of possibilities for collaborative, high-quality remote voice media production, and I'm digging it. People can try the Windows beta version of FiendPhone right now at FiendPhone.com. But we're also raising money to vastly improve FiendPhone and vastly improve independent talk media worldwide. So go to fiendphone.com to help out. Who will build the audio roads? We will, with your help. That's fiendphone.com. F-E-E-N-P-H-O-N-E.com. Foxtrot, Echo, Echo, November, phone.com. Fiendphone. I never knew remote audio could be this good. 
This is James Smith, formerly of WASP News, now an anarchist. And I want to introduce you to Brian Sovereign, former agent of... I have little time. You need to know what's going on. The government is lying to you. Corporations are lying to you. Even is lying to you. They're trying to centralize everything. Trust yourselves. Your computer is your only country. Coexist and learn all that you can. Hack the planet! Hack Woo! Hack the planet! Hack the planet! Because if you don't hack the planet, it'll probably hack you. And I've got the proof. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, this is not an episode full of good news. I, I hate to say it. Uh, maybe the last segment, there will be some good news. But uh, yeah, so one of the biggest security stories that it came out uh, in the past week or so is about an Italian group called uh, Hacker Team or Hack Team. Is it uh, hacking team? Yeah, that's a hacking team. <laughs> and I'm going to read, uh, this is from CSO. Uh, I'm going to read about this. And effectively what we have here is a group. And this is interesting, you know, because we were talking about with hacking team. All right, no, let's read the story. <laughs> let's read the story because part of this will apply to something we talked about earlier in the show and that having to be cryptocurrencies. Okay. And so here is hacking team hacked. Attackers claim 400 gigabytes in dumped data. What does all this mean? Let's read it. Firm made famous for helping governments spy on their citizens left exposed on Sunday. While most of Twitter, this is uh, from like the 5th of July uh, on Sunday, while most uh, of Twitter was watching the women's world cup, an amazing game from start to finish. One of the world's most notorious Security firms was being hacked. Specializing in surveillance technology, hacking team is now learning how it feels to have their internal matters exposed to the world. And privacy advocates are enjoying a bit of schadenfreude at their expense. Hacking team is an Italian company that sells intrusion and surveillance tools to governments and law enforcement agencies. The lawful interception tools developed by this company have been linked to several cases of privacy invasion by the researchers or by researchers and the media reporters without borders has listed the company on its enemies of the internet index due largely to hacking teams, business practices and their primary surveillance tool, Da Vinci. It isn't known who hacked hacking team. However, the attackers have published a torrent file with 400 gigabytes of internal documents, source code, and email communications to the public at large. In addition, the attackers have taken to Twitter, defacing the hacking team account with a new logo, biography, and published messages with the images of the compromised data. Salted Hash will continue to follow developments and update as needed. So Salted Hash is the person writing up the story. Um, here's update one. Christopher Sikoyan, who uh, I've quoted before on this show, he's a security researcher, says that based on the Torrance file listing, hacking teams customers include South Korea, Kazakhstan, Saudi Arabia, Amman, Lebanon, and Mongolia. Yet the company maintains that it does not do business with oppressive governments. Update two, researchers have started to post items from the released 
torn file. One such item is this invoice for 58,000 euros to Egypt for hacking team's RCS exploit portal. Update three, the video below, there's a video here, uh, it's a commercial for hacking team's top tool DaVinci. Uh, update four, an email from a person linked to several uh, domains allegedly tied to the Melis Zenue Foundation, Ethiopia's prime minister, uh, until his death in 2012 was published Sunday evening as the, as part of the cache of files taken from hacking team in the email, Benayim Tewalde offers his thanks to hacking team for their help in getting a high value target. Are these guys going to get arrested like Ross Albrecht for supposedly being involved in a hitman deal? Even though I know Ross Albrecht didn't necessarily get, uh, you know, those, those those claims didn't get leveled against him so far legally. They're, however, all that's working out legal shit's so ridiculous. Around the time the email was sent, which was eight months after the prime minister's death, Tualde had registered eight different MZF-related domains. Given the context of the email and the sudden appearance and disappearance of the domains, it's possible all of them were part of a phishing campaign to access the target. Uh, this is talking about that hit uh, who the high value target is remains unknown. An invoice leak leaked with the hacking team cash shows that Ethiopia paid one billion beer ETB for, I guess that's their local currency for hacking teams, remote control system, professional services and communications equipment update five. Hacking team currently has, based on, uh, on internal documents leaked by the attackers on Sunday evening, customers in the following locations, Egypt, Ethiopia, Morocco, Nigeria, Sudan, Chile, Colombia, Ecuador, Honduras, Mexico, Panama, United States, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Malaysia, Mongolia, Singapore, South Korea, Thailand, Uzbekistan, Vietnam, Australia, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Germany, Hungary, Italy, Luxembourg, Poland, Russia, Spain, Switzerland, Bahrain, Oman, Saudi Arabia, United Arab, United Arab Emirates. The list and sub subsequent invoice for 480,000 euro dis disproves hacking teams claims that they have never done business with Sudan. According to Human Rights Watch, Sudanese security forces have repeatedly and violently suppressed protesters demonstrating against the government with more than 170 uh, killed in 2013. Update six. It's zero one hundred hours. Eastern time. So sometime soon, as Krypton Security's Kali Senuai put it, someone in Italy is about to have a very bad day. Late Sunday evening, the Twitter account used by hacking team was defaced and a link to 400 gigabyte torrent file was posted. The file contains a number of newsworthy items, particularly when it comes to the questionable business relationships between hacking team and nations that aren't known for their positive outlook on basic human rights. New developments in the hacking team incident release the uh, include the release of a document outlining the maintenance agreement uh, status of various customers. The document shared by Sinekpon, uh, or own Sineco, sorry, <laughs> with Salted Ash lists Russia and Sudan as clients, but instead of an active or expired flag on the, on their account, the two nations are listed as not officially supported. Okay. This goes on and on. Like, I mean, there's so much information to look at. Uh, another one of the beauties here, um, was that like these guys at hacking team were definitely suffering from a case of some hubris. Uh, like the, their passwords were just these dumbass passwords where it was just password where it's, you know, replacing, uh, characters with, you know, with letters with other various characters, like replacing the O with zero and stuff like that. Uh, these people thought like there's every indication that this hacking team out of Italy 
felt like they were untouchable. That they, you know, had all their fingers in the right pies. They were working for all the right people, including governments, not just private organizations. Uh, and that they, you know, nothing could harm them. Oh, not so. Not so. Uh, it's kind of creepy what, you know, what a lot of the things that, 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 uh, that they, the software that they were selling to various organizations, including governments. One of them being, I had mentioned it, was there, there was software that they could sell for every operating system that would allow you to track transactions, in particular transactions from various cryptocurrency wallets, particularly Bitcoin. This is available to anybody, not just, not just governments, but to private organizations, whoever could pass whatever it takes to become clientele of hacking team. So again, what I said earlier, you thought it was kind of nuts when I was saying, oh, well, you know, Bitcoin's fine. Blockchains are secure. All that's okay. No, no, no. Hacking team knew that it would be a very, you know, that, that it's very easy to track if Anonymity, like say with something like zero cash, which is a, a cryptocurrency development I fully support, or I largely support, I should say, I don't know everything about it. Uh, you know, if that's not baked in, that metadata, whatever, can be accessed and used. Transactions could be tracked. This proves the point, this hacking team. I mean, the list goes a mile long. We're talking 400 gigabytes of data that some group of hackers heroically got away, you know, liberated from hacking teams servers. Still kind of up in the air how all of that happened, but my but kudos to the people that did that. Uh because this is a company that you know was fully working with governments, might as well have been a government organization. And you know, now we know what was going on. I mean, there's just there's been tons of stuff. Like, you know, you'd think the NSA was bad enough and then it get, just gets piled on, it gets doubled up with the stuff the hacking team had, uh, they were, they were infecting Android devices. Some interestingly, some of the stuff that hacking team was doing on Android devices, uh, apparently they're already antivirus software that was blocking what hacking team had put out there. Uh, and so maybe that's why if you're using like Sophos or something like that, I don't know. I'm not entirely certain on what particular companies I know of a couple, but what particular, but they're more enterprise level that I know the names of what particular like antivirus software, on your mobile devices, what, you know, is still protecting you, but maybe that's why there haven't been updates to the apps themselves. If you're wondering, it's like, wow, hacking team was getting into Android devices. Why isn't my antivirus updating the next day? They should be trying to plug all this stuff up. Uh, maybe the reason is, is that a lot of, a lot of the antivirus software, you know, was, was going, you know, was working and already blocking what hacking team was doing. And so they didn't have to update anything. You can uh, likely email those people or check their blogs, you know, to find out more about that. Okay. But again, most people don't even really use antivirus software on, you know, or, or you know, anti-malware software. Uh, you know, they don't use protection <laughs> with their mobile devices. But in the end, there is a good thing. And that is, is that Edward Snowden is not alone. Julian Assange is not alone. There are heroic groups. There are heroic people, heroic individuals out there taking the risk. I don't know what kind of risk it took to liberate this information, but they are taking the risk and thankfully they're able to do it seemingly anonymously at the moment and grabbing this and letting people know what's going on. That ugly shit is being done in our interconnected world 
and that we really perhaps need to solve it. Of course, you know, the, the, the ways to solve it may be very drastic. You know, we'll have to use an internet that is very different from what we understand, perhaps whatever the case may be, or not relying on mobile devices so much, all these different things we've talked about on sovereign tech, but cheers to the group, to the individual, maybe there's only even one person, but cheers to the people that got this information out there that got this from hacking team and laid it out because now we know and now we can do something about it i'll be back with more this is sovereign tech babylon 5 ended a great war and united a hundred alien races in peace danger didn't die it just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch we need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated what is wrong with you people we have to set him against himself it's an entire new season of babylon 5 with all new episodes babylon 5 is available for download on your favorite torrent site see it now to experience the greatest show in television history babylon 5 Agent Sovereign, Skylab C is in a polar orbit of the Earth. Computer, it's not Agent anymore. We don't work for them. Natalia, Elizabeth, Jane, and I, and anyone else that wants to join us, we're rogue now. We have to put an end to domination. Agent Sovereign, come join us. Yeah, join us. Don't be a wanker. <laughs> well, there's no reason not to have fun in the process. I'm coming, ladies. The Climax. It is time for The Climax, where I talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. HackSec, of course, to talk about hackers and security. And we certainly talked about some heroes this week and some pretty serious villains, too. But fortunately, the heroes seem to have, uh, in many ways, won the day. Uh, this week, what I want to talk about is a topic. Usually I, you know, I could talk about a movie. I could do whatever. Um, I did go see, uh, Steph, the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and I, we actually went and saw Terminator Genesis. We both very much enjoyed the film. Um, and I did a write-up at the Zog blog for it. Uh, it's gotten a lot of people enjoyed, uh, the, the, you know, the, the write-up that I did, the review. And uh, so you can check that out. So I'm not going to review it here. I just want to say it was a great movie. I love the Terminator franchise. I'm totally biased. Uh, and, <laughs> and I admit that at the beginning of the, of the, the review. Um, but do check that out if you, if you want to go to zog.ninja. So anyway, and, and do go catch the movie. It's, it's worth the money. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about a topic this week. Uh, you know, not a TV show, not a comic book, not a book. I want to talk about a topic because things have been... Going wild. Uh, you know, we talked about Bitcoin a little bit in this episode and Bitcoin has seemed to be a real reality, seemed to be a reality, a viable option for people in what's for what's happening in Greece. And for those that don't know, uh, Greece is kind of, you know, they're essentially saying, look, we can't pay back our debts. Of course, now that's kind of changing. Now they're saying, okay, we'll work with the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and we'll do this and that. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's how it is. That's, you know, and, and, and Bitcoin's was kissing 300. Uh, at points in the past couple of days. And a lot of people think that's because people in uh, Greece are, you know, investing in it. They're putting their money into, uh, into Bitcoin and Puerto Rico, like they, you know, they're defaulting. 
Uh, <laughs> they're, you know, they're saying, look, we, we can't pay back. You know, we, we have all this debt. We can't pay it back. Uh, and, and that's I'm not going to concentrate on Puerto Rico, but that's something else that has come up, too. And then China. OK, China this week. And this is kind of the big one. Or actually, it was uh, earlier. It kind of started. Well, yeah, in the past seven days, we'll say suddenly China, their stock markets, you know, like they froze like 40 percent of the markets. And the other 60% of the markets was pretty much going into free fall. Okay. You had a very ugly, near perfect storm going on in China. Now, the reason that I'm bringing these things up is that in uh, the circles that I find myself in, libertarian, financial, whatever, particularly I want to concentrate on the libertarian or the ANCAP, uh, the, the ANCAP, circles like there's people that that they run financial blogs uh or they you know they 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 send out financial emails financial advice and all this stuff and there's been really in libertarian circles particularly you know there's been for a very long time as in as long as i've existed there's been this this cry of the dollar's gonna die the dollar's gonna go down it's all over everything's falling apart you know and all this i mean like i even remember uh, cause I, I am a fan. I, I read mother earth news. I, I've read it for a long time. And I remember reading old issues from like when I was barely even conscious, I might've been two or three years old, but Ron Paul was in mother earth news. Oh, the wonderful Ron Paul. And he said, gold would be $5,000 would be at $5,000 in the eighties. It's never happened. It didn't fucking happen. So my point being is that you know, a lot of these people in Liberty circles, you know, like, like they're just constantly saying, you know, sky is falling, sky is falling, sky is falling. And I heard a lot about Greece and everybody was coming out and saying with Greece, they're saying, oh my God, oh, they're going to run to Bitcoin. Greece is running to Bitcoin. Greece is running to Bitcoin, blah, blah, blah. This is, we're in, we're in for a new day. Yay, Greece. And the reality of any of that kind of happening well, it's not really reality. Now Greece is pretty much playing ball at the IMF as far as what the actual people do. I I don't know if they're going to be, you know, working with Bitcoin. Actually, Litecoin is the thing on the rally, which that has to do with China. I'll get to that in a second. But everybody was concentrating on Puerto Rico and Greece. All the while, I had been saying for some time, for weeks at least, if not longer, and this is not based upon my own data, but also data of other people, not necessarily in liberty or ANCAP or anarchist circles, whatever word you want, voluntarist, whatever word you want to use. Uh, you know, they had said this as well, though I do know of one, uh, you know, person at at Mises that uh, David Stockman, I believe he had talked about this, this bubble going on in Chinese stock exchanges. Um, I, I had been talking about this and I said, why is everybody paying attention to this? Like, look, China's going to pop here any minute because what's happening is, is that companies in the U.S. and in other countries were dropping out of exchanges in their respective countries and they were reopening. They're doing IPOs in China and they're getting insane valuations pretty much ever since Alibaba went IPO. I mean, they're just getting ridiculous valuations based upon nothing. Other than it's China. And apparently the Chinese just have tons of money to spend. And I said, look, this can't last. You know, I I was just like, there's no way this is going to keep going. I mean, you can't just like it doesn't. There's no logic behind the idea that you just go to another country and you IPO there. And suddenly your your company is worth 200 times more. It doesn't make any sense. 
Nobody talked about this. Other than like I mentioned one guy that did. Otherwise, you know, nobody at Mises, nobody, all, all these great economists that supposedly ANCAPs are and all this shit, barely, you know, it, it didn't even come up. In fact, most people are saying, hey, you might want to head to China. You know, that's a boom town over there. And, you know, just to confirm it, actually, Stephanie, you're, you're right here. I mean, Hi. I, I, I talked to you. Don't be a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to you about this. I said, look, I was like, this thing in China is like, this can't last. Like, this is going to pop because they're you just... You did. Yeah. They're, you they're, talked about it, like, weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It was some time ago. And then suddenly, I think that's exactly what happened in the past week. But yeah, I came right up to you, and I just said, you know, Stephanie is like, look, I think this this is it. This is the reality of what's going on here. Is this bubble finally popped because all these IPOs are there. You know, everything's in free fall, and everything else is freezing. That's got to be what went down. Uh, you know, that as soon as I got the news that this was happening... And I wasn't the only one. There were certainly other, you know, other people. Uh, De- John C. Dvorak talked about this and some others uh, has certainly uh, talked about it. So anyway, I appreciate you confirming the fact that I talk about it, talked about it some time ago. Now, I'm not saying I have some kind of crazy predictive powers, you know, as far as finances go or anything like that. But that's the problem is that other people are saying they have that and they're telling you what to do with your money. And the funny thing is, is that really anybody that listened to, you know, like some of the people that I've listened to who aren't libertarian, but they clearly saw what was going on in China. Uh, if you shorted on a lot of the shit going on in China, you're sitting pretty nice right now. Just like with the dollar. If you were long on the dollar as of like a year ago, you'd be sitting pretty nice right now. You'd be enjoying life big time. Because all these people that said the dollar is going to fail, China's a boom town, blah, 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 you know, whatever the case may be. Or no, no, don't, you know, don't look at China. We need to talk about Greece or whatever. Uh, they, they're just flat wrong. And that's the thing is that, you know, people go to these dirt sheets and whatever else, and they go to these people and they're not even talking about, you know, things that really like if you, you were going to follow their financial advice. Things that could have made you a ton of money. Folks, Greece, let me give you the reality about Greece. As far as the euro goes, because some people are saying that this is going to start, you know, this is dispelling, this is the doom of the euro or something like that. And if you're doing foreign exchange, you know, you're doing Forex or whatever, uh, you know, watch out for the euro. Look, Greece isn't even like 1% of the euro. Not even 1%. Greece going bankrupt? means nothing to the world stage. Nothing. But that's not what you're going to hear from, you know, the, these, these, uh, you know, these gloom and doom financial bloggers. So they're bullshitting you. And it's all to get your email address, money, or worse. And I'd love for someone to, you know, to, to start saying, Hey, you know, no, this isn't the reality here. Uh, the reality is, is that a lot of these actions back and forth, you know, aren't really mattering. Like the China thing, a lot of people, you know, saw that coming. I just don't know why it never showed up in my anarchist, you know, newsfeed. With China, you know, with the, the Litecoin thing, that's an interesting uh, thing. Apparently, I, I just read this today, actually, that, uh, that in China, there is some kind of a Ponzi scheme going on uh, with Litecoin where a person's doing four to one or whatever, you know, with Bitcoin uh, or, you know, with, with 
with Chinese money anyway, because of the, you know, the market freeze uh, going on. Now, with that, what's happening is a positive feedback loop that people are buying in, they're jumping into because they're seeing this crazy percentage rise in in Litecoin. They're jumping into it and they're accepting it as viable because of, you know, what, what maybe this isn't the exact definition of wisdom of the crowds, but because the crowd is doing it, they're all getting involved in it. So the irony here is that perhaps what's happening in China is actually creating what everybody said was going to happen in Greece, but it's not really happening in Greece where they're going to another economy, where they're switching to a cryptocurrency, even if the government doesn't recognize it, whatever the case may be. It's actually happening in, happening in China. But where are these people that have supposedly called all these you know, financial disasters or financial boons to call that one? When it was somewhat obvious. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have expected Litecoin either, per se, um, but, you know, looking back on it, it makes sense because Litecoin did start its rise right around the same time that a lot of the news is getting even hotter, uh, by more people that, Hey, you know, the, 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 the IPO, uh, you know, bubble going on in China cannot last. This cannot last. So my point being, look, don't come to me for financial advice. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is do some of your own research. Okay. And don't, I, I, you know, even, even if somebody had a great track record, there's a great saying, even if somebody had a great track record, uh, intellectual brilliance is no guarantee from being dead wrong. And so be careful, be aware. Uh, I mean, and, and keep in mind that a lot of these, you know, with, I mean, I used, I used to mess around in this game. I know the deal. A lot of times with, with dirt sheets or emails, investment emails and, you know, and all this saying, oh, you get into this one and all that. That's people leading you to either their own, you know, their own ends of, you know, so like, like something that they want to get propped up. Uh, or it's just based around their own traumas and philosophies that may be incredibly flawed. Where just because their life sucks doesn't mean that the whole fucking economy is going to go to shit. Okay, but they want you to think that. And they have a gold company, as a matter of fact, and they'd like you to buy some. Be careful. Pay attention. Just because somebody has that A next to their name, or they use it, doesn't mean that they're somehow a nice person, guy or gal. Believe me, this is a lot of different people that, that I'm kind of, you know, describing here. When it comes to, you know, where the, the fruits of your labor go, you need to be very, very vigilant, pay attention to what's going on and, you know, become an expert, especially if you're talking about, you know, doing any kind of investing or, you know, things of that nature, become your own personal expert. And I'm not saying buying gold's a bad thing. It's fine and dandy thing. Okay. And there's some great companies. There's some genuinely great companies out there that will sell you, you know, precious metals and all that stuff. I think they're fantastic. Okay. But pay attention, be careful, S you know, ask yourself, why are they telling me this? What's behind this? You know, something about the person, figure out something about the person. Because I mean, you can get fed with, you know, nonsense news. The whole time shit's going down in Greece, the reality of everything that people were describing was actually happening in China. And the information was really out there for you to know about it. 
and you could have taken advantage of it if you wanted to. So anyway, as always, that's the message, I guess, on Sovereign Tech is pay attention at all times. Carpe Lucem, everybody. If you appreciate what I do on the show, of course, please don't hesitate to donate. Bitcoin, Litecoin, you take your pick. I'll see you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love. And love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.